Jimmy. One second, Harry. Causes and events leading up to our entry into the war. Well, what are the causes? Why are we Americans on the march? Is it because of... So, what was that? That was a clip from Why We Fight, a series of movies made during World War II to explain what the world was about. Oh yeah, Frank Capra directed them. One of them, I think, actually won an Oscar. I should have known you would have known about this. Because he also directed It's a Wonderful Life, which is like my favorite movie. No, because you're old. (laughs) 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 Sorry, vintage. No, but seriously, seriously though, these movies were originally intended for the soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen who would be sent to fight, though they were also popular with the general public. The point of these movies, though, wasn't just to say we were attacked, so we're going to fight. The real point was to explain what was at risk in the war. Yeah, Capra, in seven hours of film, made the case that U.S. involvement in the war was necessary, and so was an Allied victory. Now, throughout this first season of Rare Science, we've talked a lot about the ongoing battle between antibiotic-resistant bacteria and the researchers working on ways to defeat them. In this final episode of the season, we're going to do the same thing Frank Capra did during World War II. Lay out the stakes of the battle against these multi-drug resistant organisms, both for the military and the world at large. I'm Terry Welch, Strategic Communications Director here at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, which we call RARE. And I'm Army Captain Shanee Allen, Commander of RARE's Headquarters and Headquarters Company. Welcome back to RARE Science. We're glad you've joined us here on this final episode of season one, where we're going to take you to the battlefield of the future and tell you what that battlefield means for soldiers who might be wounded on it. We'll also tell you about a nationwide coalition of researchers working to stop resistant bacteria and save medicine as we know it. Stay with us. In a previous episode, we told you about the golden hour. That's the important hour after traumatic injury when medical interventions have the best chance of saving lives and limbs. DOD medicine not only acknowledges the importance of that precious hour, but during the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, mandated that troops wounded in combat should be moved from the point of injury to a field hospital within that key time frame. After that policy was put in place and assets shifted around to make compliance possible, the case fatality rate was cut in half, dropping from nearly 20% in 2002 to less than 10% by 2014. And 75% of troops were making it to treatment within that hour. And that really was unprecedented in the history of war. That's Army Colonel Stuart Tyner. I'm currently the director of the Military Infectious Diseases Research Program What made achieving the golden hour possible was freedom of movement. So, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, we really were were fortunate to be in a conflict where we had true air supremacy. So we could move around the battlefield in the air just at will. We weren't worried about our, our airplanes or our helicopters being shot down. You know, of course, they would uh, interact with uh, gunfire when they landed, especially in in areas to evacuate wounded in the midst of uh, an actual battle. But really moving around the battlefield was extremely easy. This freedom of mobility was made possible by the power imbalance between U.S. forces 
and their opponents in Afghanistan and Iraq. The DOD has acknowledged that the U.S. can't count on having overwhelming strength in future conflicts. So in 2018, the Army put in place a new doctrine, which states that by 2028, the service would be prepared for conflicts with more equal opponents. It's called the Doctrine of Multi-Domain Operations. We expect to be in a conflict in the future, or at least we're preparing to be in a conflict in the future, where we will be in conflict across all the warfighting domains. And if you think about a domain, like the land is a domain, the air is a domain, the sea is a domain, space is a domain. And so multi-domain operations means that our the, the people that we're going to be in, the countries we're going to be in conflict with will be able to affect us across multiple or all of those domains. This doctrine, planning for the possibility of conflicts with near-peer competitors, affects everything the Army does now as it acquires the right equipment and builds plans to conduct these multi-domain operations. This means we can't count on being able to meet golden hour goals in future conflicts. We're not going to be able to fly around the battlefield with impunity. So we have to be very, very careful about how, how we evacuate wounded from point of injury to a surgeon, but also from the surgeon to higher roles of care. This means the golden hour could become the golden day. Or a week. As Rear's commander, Colonel Chad Koenig, says, we just don't know yet how long future medical evacuations might take. In any conflict scenario where we no longer have air dominance, suddenly the question becomes, what are those timelines and what are those methods for evacuating? Are we going back to ground evacuation? How feasible is that, depending upon how far forward we are? Are we still pushing forward with air operations? You know, probably example would be where air evac first became uh, widely used, which would be in the Korean conflict. They were contested, but we still use them. But you had to be a lot choosier on when and how you uh, how you utilize those assets and what scenarios you brought them into. And it just created a lot more risk. And so because of that, the expectation is going to have to be that we need greater holding capabilities farther forward. With the possibility of soldiers having to wait longer before evacuation, the risk of infection increases every minute. Remember, bacteria can replicate themselves a billion times a day. And multidrug-resistant organisms increase that risk even more. So we're just working on ways to fight these superbugs and methods that can translate to the battlefield. Now, we've already spent a season talking about this problem and the countermeasures Rare's developing to minimize it, from structure-based design to monoclonal antibodies, to bacteriophages. But Rare also has to come up with ways to effectively deliver those treatments in austere conditions. So for example, Rare is working on developing a type of bandage that's infused with bacteriophages. Remember, those are the viruses that eat bacteria. That bandage, or patch, would be slapped on a wound in the field to start fighting bacteria before an infection can take hold. This still experimental technology could be one way to prevent deadly antibiotic-resistant bacteria from taking advantage of the longer wait times. And that's only one tactic Rare is working on, alongside other commands, all guided by Colonel Tyner and his team at the Military Infectious Disease Research Program, acronymically known as MIDRIP. And so what we try to do in MIDRIP is, is take a look at, well, what does infection mean to... Uh, an organization that's making new antimicrobials. What are the problems we have to solve? Are we trying to prevent infection? Are we trying to treat infection? Are we trying to delay or limit? 
infection? And, and the answer to that is yes, to all of those. But within each one of those, there are subsequent questions that we need to get after. And so what MidRIP tries to do is devise a strategy for the approach. What are we going to focus on within prevention of infection? What's the most important thing to apply the resources that we uh, have to manage in order to address that question? It's a question and a problem that Colonel Tyner, like many of the researchers here at Rare, takes personally. You know, I, I think on, on a personal level, if, if you're an officer and you don't love soldiers and being around soldiers and, and leading soldiers, then you, know, you probably you probably shouldn't be an officer. You know, from that perspective, I take it personally that that we've got to do the best we can for those for those people. Um, and uh, from a from a professional perspective, um, what I have always enjoyed doing is is looking at sort of like, you know, metaphorically what's over the hill. Um, I'm not necessarily satisfied with what's right in front of me. I'm, I'm more interested in what's the problem that's coming up and how can we uh, work to to solve that problem. It's, it's definitely not an immediate gratifying job. You know, the the, the things that I do or, or or work to put in place are, are really not, I'm not going to know if they've had an effect for, for years. So now that we've discussed the increased threat to soldiers in combat, what are the stakes for the rest of us? After all, antibiotic resistance is a growing problem around the world. And sure, the threat of getting such an infection from a cut or wound is obvious, but if we lose the ability to fight these bacteria, the effects will be far-reaching and almost unimaginably devastating to the field of medicine. I mean, it's the basis of modern medicine. That's Lieutenant Colonel Robert Sobolski, to whom we spoke in previous episodes. I'm the director of the bacterial diseases branch at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Lieutenant Colonel Sobolski said the growing effectiveness of everything from orthopedic surgery to cancer treatments since World War II is built on the foundation of effective antibiotics. The person who's dying from multidrug-resistant pseudomonal pneumonia um, at Burke Army Medical Center or University of Washington are most commonly the person who, you know, 50 years ago would have been dead from leukemia or lymphoma, but, you know, they're being put through bone marrow transplantation, which requires their immune system be, to be completely wiped out and then rebuilt. And the only way that is even conceivable is in a world of antibiotics. So, you know, the thing I fear most beyond my, my military medical role is the advances of the last 75 years in medicine are completely put in jeopardy if you don't have effective antibiotics because you can't ask an oncologist to go in and knowingly eliminate somebody's ability to fight infection if you don't have a, a, a means to, to keep the bacteria at bay in the meantime. In other words, this issue affects us all. Unless you plan on never getting sick or hurt ever. Which is not a bad idea, but not really a strategy. What is a strategy is the National Action Plan for Combating Antibiotic-Resistant Bacteria, also known as the CARB Plan. First conceived and introduced as a five-year plan in 2015, we are now in the middle of the second CARB Plan, which brings together organizations from across the government, including RARE, which is the only DOD research lab mentioned by name in the plan. So to me, that means a, that means a couple of things. This is RARE Commander Colonel Chad Koenig again. So first of all, it means that as an organization, we should be extremely proud because our expertise and efforts have been recognized at a national level. Um, the other thing it tells me is 
we are aligning our efforts with strategic priorities. Uh, Any time that uh, that capabilities that we have at Rare are brought up to the national level to fight a problem that has no solution, that tells me that we are putting our time, sweat, money, assets in the right area. So we are positioning ourselves to be able to solve problems that are currently existing, those that are emerging, and those that may emerge. There are other defense organizations involved in the plan, including MIDRIP, all aimed at helping the government achieve the plan's five goals. Goal one, slow the emergence of resistant bacteria and prevent the spread of resistant infections. RARE assists in this effort by maintaining the Multidrug Resistant Organism Repository and Surveillance Network, or MRSN, which helps track the spread of these bugs. Goal two, strengthen national One Health surveillance efforts to combat resistance. RARE has its own recently constituted One Health branch, which takes part in this effort. One Health is basically the idea of monitoring the environment for emerging threats, like diseases showing up in animals that might make the leap to humans or bacteria showing up in soil samples. Goal three, advanced development and use of rapid and innovative diagnostic tests for identification and characterization of resistant bacteria. The MRSN helps there too. Goal four, accelerate basic and applied research and development for new antibiotics, other therapeutics, and vaccines. We discussed this at length in episode four of this podcast and five minutes ago. Goal five, improve international collaboration and capacities for antibiotic resistant prevention, surveillance, control, and antibiotic research and development. We've also mentioned before that RARE has forward labs located in countries around the world, where we gather samples and work with host country researchers to monitor the spread of these multi-drug resistant organisms. So you can see why RARE is singled out by name in the CARB plan. National level assets, top expertise in the field, and international reach. That reach is important if we want to actually win this fight, says Dr. Paige Waterman. Vice Chair of Clinical Research at the Uniformed Services University of Health Sciences and a retired colonel who used to work on these issues here at RARE. Because we have DOD labs in other countries and have for many years and we're partnered with other federal agencies and frankly other international groups who have surveillance networks, we have more information coming to us about some of these these medical infectious disease threats, if you will, that are out there. The CARB plan itself is only part of multi-layered international efforts involving the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and even corporate and philanthropic projects. So it has to be a global effort. We have to, we have to take care of business within our country. But again, we and everyone go everywhere. So we, we cannot think, you know, with blinders on the sides. We have to consider um, what's happening everywhere, and then as best we can, share our technology, our capabilities, our best practices with our partners um, overseas, because really that's the only way we're going to get, you know, get ahead and sort of tackle this. We are, we are nowhere near to saying, you know, it's done, um, but we've certainly, we made great strides with our national policies at connecting internationally. And frankly, there are a lot of, there's a lot of bad that came out of COVID-19, but there's some good that came out of it in that it further strengthened the, um, the international partnerships, um, not just against viral diseases, but really how do we best work together to share all of our, you know, scientific practices, you know, for the betterment of health and society, of which certainly antimicrobial resistance is one. So, Terry, 
We're almost at the end of season one of Rare Science. What should people take away from this podcast? Well, for one thing, awareness of the problem of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. As we've made clear before, we've only scratched the surface of this issue in this podcast. But everyone should be aware of it and what they can do to help, including simple things like taking their full prescriptions of antibiotics and not flushing old medicines. I also think soldiers and other service members should know that places like Rare exist, places where thousands of people are working to protect them against these antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And that's just one area of Rare's research, which includes studying a broad range of infectious diseases as well as brain health. It's a big job, but as Colonel Koenig says, we're here to do big jobs. To me, when I see what our mission set is, it is not only to address current capability gaps, um, but also to try to, to the best of our ability, to get out ahead of what's coming next. And so anytime we can not only solve current problems, but also work to predict and get out ahead of, of future areas of concern is a good day at Rare. Science is hosted by Terry Welch and me, Captain Shani Allen. It's produced by Terry Welch and Samir Deshpande. Rare Science is a product of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, commanded by Colonel Chad Kaden, and the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, commanded by Brigadier General Tony McQueen. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for because the season's over, but you should go ahead and do so now because we'll be announcing the focus of next season in a few weeks, right here on your favorite podcast app. Also, you should join us on social media. On Facebook, we are Rare Official. On Twitter, we are at Rare. And on Instagram, we are Rare underscore official. We hope you've enjoyed Rare Science. Thanks for listening. See you next season. Bye.